Hello, and welcome to the Heartland Teaching Podcast, sponsored by the UMKC Regional Professional Development Center at Union Station. Our mission is to bring educators together for meaningful conversations about the challenges and successes of teachers in the Heartland. So sit back and relax and enjoy our show. Good morning, Teresa. Good morning, Brad. I'm sorry I didn't hear her hear us connect. Hey, I'm ready for another Wednesday exchange. How about you? No, I'm ready too. So let's get started. Good. Hey, before we get started, is everything going okay for you? You surviving? Oh yeah. You know, this is so easy. So easy. Well, is good. It? Yeah. Same, <laughs> same for you. I'm, uh... I mean, you know, piece of cake, you know, piece of cake, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> I know we're both being sarcastic, aren't we? Yeah. And now have you have speaking of piece of cake, have you done any baking? Because I know that that's a big thing right now. Uh, no, there's these things. They're called grocery stores and bakeries. Okay. Yeah. Now, you know what? In desperate times, you know, if the bananas on my counter start to go bad before I can consume them, mm-hmm. might have to try the banana bread. How about you? You making anything? No, I haven't. I haven't made anything. In fact, I'm yesterday I'm, I made a trip out to, you know, some of my local favorite restaurants. So that was that was a good thing. Yeah, it was hashtag takeout Tuesday. There we go. So I didn't even That's... know that. And I, I hashtagged it. You hashtagged it. I love it. Well, it's also hashtag now. It's hashtag Wednesday exchange. Mm-hmm. And yeah. We've got some good stuff to talk about today. We're uh, I, I'm looking at an article. I'm going to link to it on our on our uh, description here for our podcast, and it's about Eric Schinninger's uh, ten remote learning practices to avoid. Yeah. Wow. You know what I love about that title? Just even before you know, we start to talk about it. I think right now everyone's thinking about, well, what do I need to do? What do I need to add on Mm -hmm. to make sure that uh, remote learning is going well? Do I need to add additional touch bases? Do I need to add different, um, you know, practices and protocols? And I really appreciate uh, Dr. Scheninger's thinking about, you know, maybe we should be avoiding some things instead of adding things. Absolutely. Because I'll tell you, the, I've, I've been working with our consultant. Well, I've, been, I've gotten some uh, information from one of our consultants at our PDC from Bailey Tennyson. And she has, uh, she has sent some really um, uh, outstanding PD out about special education needs when in this remote learning uh, right environment and you know i think there are some things that we really need to look at uh, i think we really need to be aware of as teachers because we could get in a lot of trouble for some of this stuff so we gotta we gotta kind of mm-hmm. watch what we're doing our p's and q's yeah. with this uh, remote learning so right so it's a compliance issue and it's really just a pedagogical and moral issue as well right yeah oh yeah Yeah. and you know we don't want to violate any FERPA laws or anything like that so yeah well what what would what would you say is like the number one thing that if you were to give advice and based on what uh, Dr. Scheninger says that we need to avoid in this remote learning platform well I think it's piling on uh, you know he starts off with don't pile on too much work and I think that's just a, a, a great 
example. And I just, I'll, I'll talk about uh, from my own experience with my daughter, who's in high school, sophomore in high school, mm-hmm. um, you know, on the first day, uh, you know, people are learning how to do this right now. And school districts are trying to figure out how to achieve some of these goals. But one of the things that she uh, struggled with was she has seven classes a day. She got seven one hour uh, assignments from from her seven teachers where the teachers posted themselves, you know, uh, YouTubing their assignment, YouTubing their lecture, kind of staying with the regular uh, workload that they would see in class. And it was just too much for her. She, I mean, she almost lost it uh, having to sit in front of a computer, you know, because there's no interaction. There's no, you know, there's no walking through the halls. There's no, there's nothing. And uh, I I thought it was a great call by her school and her district because what they did was they went to block schedule and they said, okay, we're only going to do three or four of these a day Mm. as opposed to seven. So that, that really absolutely, that, that helped her a lot. So, piling on too much work, even thinking about going through a whole one hour lecture, that's just too much. Yeah. And, you know, I think you, what you said at the beginning of that was, was really important. You know, everyone's doing the best they can, but what I really appreciated are districts like your daughters, as well as a a handful of other districts who have pivoted right now. You know, they've, they've said, yeah, no, we can't do this. You know, at the elementary level, they could expect to be remotely learning for an hour or two. And at the middle school level, two or three hours and have really come to realize that piling on too much work is not going to enhance learning. And I, I think a good rule of thumb for teachers is uh, if, if you can't provide feedback for your students, if you're not going to be able to provide some kind of descriptive feedback to them, whether it be through a Google doc or through, you know, through them, just even through uh, remote learning, just by having a chat over the uh, remote learning, if you're not able to do that, then is that assignment really worth it? Because Mm -hmm. folks don't learn without that feedback, you know? And the other piece of it is, if you're going to do that, do you have an option that's not digital for the students to get the same work? Because we're talking about equity here also. Uh, and that equity piece is, is so important for the kids who are challenged by the digital divide. Absolutely. not, And I would say challenged by the digital divide. And so I agree with that. You know, we need to avoid giving assignments with no feedback, avoid just doing digital. But just even the inequities of the supports that they have at home, even if they have devices, you know, man, many of our students are in families right now where uh, their parents are having to work from home and they don't have the luxury of supporting them the same as maybe a family who's not having to work from home or we have first responders not at home with kids. So I'm glad that you brought up that inequity issue. It's a big one. Yeah. And we have some students who are at home and home has never been a safe place for them. Absolutely. I mean, that, to be honest, that's the thing that kind of gets me in the gut when I think about, you know, kids are going to learn. And I don't know if Mm -hmm. I said this last week or not, but uh, Mike Rutherford in one of our meetings said, you know, fish swim, kids learn. That's great. Yeah. But are kids always safe? I don't know. That's the thing that gets me in the gut. Right. And that's, that's why you see so many teachers posting about that. It's, that it's about, 
uh, the you know just making sure that it, Maslow over Bloom yeah, right now. Absolutely. You know? So you know, I don't know about you, but I am just this week specifically. I have had a group of maybe four teachers who are blowing my phone up with um, text messages because they're frustrated about how their districts are guiding them towards doing grading right now. Mm-hmm. And these aren't necessarily elementary. They're more middle and high school teachers. Um, I think Eric might say something about grading as well, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, let me, I'm going to, all right. So this is the third rail of education. And I learned very early as an administrator, don't touch grading, right? Uh, don't, don't give advice on grading teachers, Need to do, but I I'm gonna flat out tell you that uh, Dr. Shinniger is correct on this. That at this point, it, with this crisis, mm-hmm. grading grading is at the out. It's so far on the back burner. You you really need to ask yourself: Do I absolutely need to grade things, or do I need to just check on learning? How are the students right. learning? Okay, I mean grading this. Uh, if, if, if schools haven't already set a policy on grading at this point, which I really hope school districts have done, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and, and because I know, I know my, my kids who are in college, they had some guidelines on grading. And I love these because they took the teach, the, the professors completely out of it. And what they said to the, to the students in, at the colleges that my children attend is they said, look, kids, you get to you get to d- decide on whether or not you want to continue this for a grade or if you want to continue it for credit, non-credit. Okay. Yep. Like pass, pass, fail. Yep. Um, but we're not going to let your instructors know. So oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So basically you can continue it you can try to get your A. Okay. Or you can continue it and it's not going to affect your GPA. Yeah. And I- Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And, you know, for a lot of kids right now, especially these seniors who are getting ready to graduate from, mm-hmm. you know, how's this going to affect their GPA? How's this going to affect mm-hmm. their, you know, going in and, and juniors are the same way, you know, kids are really worried about their GPAs and it shouldn't be a part of it. And in, in a middle and, and in elementary school, you gotta be kidding me with, you know, <laughs> what the, you just gotta be kidding me. Absolutely. I mean, I, I hear the passion in your voice about this one. And and I think it's interesting that you said, you know, this is just one of those things you typically don't touch. But in this situation, grading has to be avoided. It needs to be on that back burner. Maybe not even and, near the stove yet. And if a teacher disagrees with me on this, Teresa, and, yeah. and they want to they and they want to comment and, and say something on please do so that I can block you on Twitter and everything else. Okay. I just, <laughs> I just want to know who I need to avoid. On this one. <laughs> well, I will say, Brett, I do know that there are some local districts out there who um, are attempting to continue with grading. And from what I'm hearing from my teacher friends is yeah, they're concerned. They are concerned because they know just like we were talking about equity and how it goes into this, that, not all kids will have the same advantage. And so there's always been discrepancies in grading that is not standards based and, you know, what do grades mean, et cetera. 
but man, right now, the discrepancy would be so wide. And so I'm going to take what you just said about grading. Let's avoid it altogether. And let's go back to, I think it was maybe the second thing you said. Why don't we just anchor in feedback and check in on learning? Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, and back to back to what you say about districts who are still pushing the grading and stuff like that. I mean, that if that's if that's important to them, uh, if you know, there's always been people in education. And this is sad to say, but there's always been people in education whose goal is to, you know, just kind of hammer, hammer kids, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, that that was that that compliance is important. And. Mm -hmm. Hey, you know, it's not, not truly, they just need to look at themselves a little bit. And I think Shinniger is, is right on this. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but can I say one more thing? Sorry. I know you were just going to do like the sweetest transition to another point. And then I just, you know, (laughs) catch you right off there. (laughs) But I, I loved what you said about, um, what's important to districts. And I think during this crisis, we are seeing what districts, value most by what they're focusing on and the districts that are focusing on grading and compliance we're seeing what they're what's important to them versus the districts that are putting their time and energy into uh, supports the the maslows the relationships the well-being of their students so okay i'm sorry hey i bet you had another great idea about work well i i don't but i'm reading off of shinniger so i'm i'm you know my my ideas are i'm today my ideas are his ideas so uh uh but you know he talks about not using not relying solely on worksheets packets all the teacher pay Mm -hmm. teacher things i think that's important um that you try to think about and this is what we talked about earlier with my daughter uh which is don't abide by that traditional schedule. Mm -hmm. You can, you, you can shorten your classes. It reminds me of when we used to go into 504 meetings with uh, teachers and we would say, Hey, we need to, we need to help these students by not expecting every single assignment, just look for essential assignments for this student. You know, what are the things that, and I, I got so much feedback from teachers a lot of times that, that they're that you know they were passionate about their content and they were like well everything I do is essential how can I limit it down to truly essential functions and you know that's that's kind of where you need to look at your curriculum and you right. need to see where ha- where where have you as a district decided these are the priority standards and when you know rather than have every standard in the state uh, you know, touching on every single standard, what are the, what are the seven or eight priority standards that you really need to hit on that? Those are the essential ones, you know, so focus on that. Um, and then I would say that, um, video tools using, uh, one of the things I'm seeing a lot of is people taking pictures of their class meeting. Uh, you gotta be really careful putting that information out because a lot of times when you zoom in on that screen, Mm -hmm. you can see different, you can see different things on that screen that might give away student information. And just remember that with FERPA, any kind of identifiable, uh, personal identifiable information that's out there. Right. It is a violation. Okay. It is a violation. And I'll, I'll give you an example. I had a, had a principal who got on Twitter, got on and shouted out 
I want to wish happy birthday to blank, 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 all these students, okay, for this month. And is putting out names, mm. birthdays, okay. And I it, look, I understand what what they're doing. That's a that's a wonderful thing that you would normally do in your school, but you can't do it on the internet. Yeah, you know, it's not something for public consumption. And so you you got to watch what you're putting out there. And the other part is, you really got to watch if you're doing a. Um, if you've got special education students, if you've got students who are on 504s, if you've got, you know, um, even if you're a special education student and you are working with other students, you know, within, like if you're working with several of your students. So let's say you've got four or five on a, on a incoming call on Zoom. Right. The other people in the room that can hear your <laughs> conversation. You are linking families into this so that other family members know other kids who are special education. Now, they might know them already through their student. Sure. But you, you're now broadcasting wow. uh, things. And so one of the things that, they, that the lawyers suggest is that districts have a policy on this where they say, hey, no one will, you know, we will, you'll sign an agreement that says you aren't going to record um, any of these meetings that you aren't going to share any information that comes out of these meetings. Uh, and I think districts need to look at that. So if they haven't spoken to their lawyers yet, then it's something that they probably ought to put out there to teachers. Don't do this until we know, until we can set up a, sure. a policy for it. Wow. That's a lot of stuff that uh, Dr. Schoeninger gives us to think about. And, and definitely to avoid in this new system, you know, not just to keep us out of legal trouble, but to mm -hmm. protect the rights of our students, to protect the well-being of our students and the well-being of our educators who are on the front lines right now. Yeah, and I think it's great information for right now. And, uh, and my hope is that we you know, with Missouri schools closed now and we, we can finish out this school year, we can be done and we can look forward to a, the start of a new school year. But I don't know, Teresa, right now what I'm, you know, like I'm starting to get worried that maybe we might have to postpone the beginning of next school year if this stuff keeps up. So, well, I, pr I pray you're wrong on that. Um, yeah. But I guess time will tell, right? Yeah. yeah, and it doesn't hurt districts to be prepared for it. So no. be thinking about it this summer. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that um, I think you've alluded to is, you know, we're still in a crisis. So, you know, let's just remember to put first things first and avoid some of the things that we um, believe might be important, like the workload and the grades, et cetera. Uh, one of the things Adam Welcome was a guest yesterday at a Zoom chat I was at, and he said, you know, now's not the time to be focusing on those things. Now's the time to be thinking ahead. You know, let's think for the future. Right. Let's plan for the future. Let's support kids and teachers right now. And if we can do that, focus on the, as you've said, the Maslow's right now and the essential uh, learning goals that you mentioned and start forward thinking, we're going to come back stronger than ever. Yeah, I think, I think we are absolutely going to be stronger from 
from this uh, this test that we're going through right now. I agree. Well, Brad, I don't know about you, but I thoroughly enjoy just getting a chance to chat with you on our Wednesday exchange. I hope our listeners uh, can take something from each one of our conversations. And um, I, I'm grateful that you found the Scheninger article because it's really caused me to, to think not just about how to advise principals that I work with, but just even for my own uh, personal work at home style. You know, there are things that you and I should be avoiding right now as well. Uh, we may have to just on the side come up with our own list of things consultants should be avoiding right now. Uh, yeah, well, let's let's avoid grading. Let's just start with that one. <laughs> okay, if we could get every listener to avoid grading and focus on feedback right now, I'd call this podcast a win. How about you? That's that. That's the key thing right there. I'd love it if that would happen. All right. Well, good talking to you, Teresa, and, and uh, we'll talk again Wednesday, won't we? Yes, we will. Hey, have a great day. All right, you too. Bye. You've been listening to the Heartland Teaching Podcast, sponsored by the UMKC Regional Professional Development Center at Union Station. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please hit the subscribe button so that future podcasts will be made available to you at the touch of your podcast button. Please feel free to leave your comments on this podcast or register for one of our events by clicking the link on the attached podcast. We hope that we see you soon.